Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Daily Kofefi, as our temporary name here, on Unsafe Space. <clears throat> I'm your host, Carter Laren. Unfortunately, we're sans Carrie today. We all have to pine away for Carrie. She has um, some last-minute change in plans that happened uh, that prevent her from being here. She will be back tomorrow morning, so don't worry. Um, I'll flash a, flash a picture of her now for you to see so you can uh, get a feeling for Carrie. Here's Carrie. So, all right, I'll go relatively quickly, get through a few things today. First, a quick update on the Sri Lankan terrorist attacks. Uh, last I checked here, the death toll is up to 321. So um, it's quite high, 521 injured. And uh, the Sri Lankan defense minister actually issued a statement here about the attacks. He said, the extremist group named National Thawid Jamath carried out Sunday's terror attacks in response to terror attacks in Christchurch. So um, this is disturbing. I mean, obviously the terrorist attack itself is disturbing, but the escalation of violence here is disturbing, right? So this plays right into the hands of the Christchurch shooter. The Christchurch shooter, um, I, I wrote actually an article about uh, his manifesto and and the culture war and his interpretation and mistakes he made. Uh, I'll link to that below if you want to read it. I think there might also be a podcast. But the Christchurch shooter um, wanted an escalation of violence. So one of the reasons that he attacked the mosques in New Zealand was he wanted the um, the radical Islamic terrorists to retaliate. And now he's he would want the um, authorities in the West... Sri Lanka is not exactly the West, but he would want the non-Islam uh, societies and institutions to then retaliate further. So, you know, he killed about 50 people, I think. So this is, what, six and a half times that. So we've had some escalation of violence um, playing exactly into his hands. Let's hope it doesn't continue that way. Uh, so that's that's pretty disturbing. <clears throat> um, let's see. Uh, back here at home... Um, the, so you've probably seen the OASDI uh, tax on your on your uh, paycheck. It's the Old Age and Survivors and Federal Disability Insurance Tax, Social Security, uh, basically. And the trustees came out. The Social Security trustees, the OASDI trustees, technically, uh, came out with came out with a 2019 their 2019 report about Social Security, and shock. I mean, this may come as a shock to you, but they have figured out that they will be unable to meet their financial obligations. <gasps> I know, it's very, uh, I wasn't expecting it, you know, because I knew the program was so well run, I just thought it would go on forever. Um, but anyway, they'll be unable to meet their obligations by 2035. Um, so what, 16 years to go? So, uh, yay. We got 16 years left of Social Security. I wonder if they're actually trustees. Like a real trustee would be responsible for use of funds. So, wouldn't you? Shouldn't they be fired for sucking this bad as trustees? I imagine they're not actually trustees. They're probably just like accountants who have to report on stupid things Congress has done with Social Security money. Uh, but yeah, obviously, if some if no one's told you this already, don't rely on Social Security for retirement. Um, but what you can rely on is maybe in 16 years, um, if the Democrats and, frankly, a lot of the Republicans, if the 
big government wonks in Washington from the two parties have their way, uh, you know, we'll just print a bunch more money um, and meet all the financial obligations. It'll be great. We'll just, Yang Gang, we'll, we'll take over Washington. We'll just, woohoo, we'll run the printing press and print as much money as we need, and it'll be no problem. And a, a loaf of bread will cost $500. So, um, so that's that. Yay for Social Security. What a waste. You know, if you took that tax money and you just, like, invested it, just put it in the S&P 500 or some indexed fund. Ugh. It'd be so much better. Okay. Um, oh, yeah, let's play you a clip now. So the Democratic candidates, it's great because um, they're all delusional and they think that Trump is so marginalized because he is within their communities, right? So in their communities, they think, like, Trump is so obviously crazy. No one will vote for him this time. Now they'd see, right? Um, which is not true. Um, Trump has a very good chance of winning again in 2020. But of, of course, now, because Hillary's gone and uh, and they think that Trump is weak, they're all, all the crazies are coming out of the woodwork, right? So you got a, a wide open field. But I think they're actually in a contest now to compete with who can be crazier. So um, CNN in, interviewed, they, they had uh, questions for a few candidates and they were asking about the right to vote. And specifically, they were asked, should the Boston bomber <laughs> have the right to vote? All right. Boston Marathon bomber. Remember remember him? He, he killed people um, by uh, bombing the Boston Marathon. That's, that's his uh, moniker. In jail, obviously, for murder and terrorism and everything else. The question is, should he have the right to vote? I'm going to play you a clip here, and, and then and then we'll talk about it. But this is a clip of Bernie Sanders, Kamala Harris, and uh, the other guy, Breitleg, I forget his name. Anyway, uh, answering this question. Here we go. I think the right to vote is inherent to our democracy. Yes, even for terrible people. People who are in convicted in prison, like the Boston Marathon bomber, on death row, people who are convicted of sexual assault, they should be able to vote? I think we should have that conversation. While incarcerated? Yeah. No, I don't think so. So, uh, so there we are. Uh, we get a an outright yes from Bernie. In fact, let me read you, that didn't include the full quote here. Let me read you the full quote, which is great. <laughs> he says, when they get out of jail, I believe they... I shouldn't try and do impressions, never mind. When they get out of jail, I believe they certainly should have the right to vote. But I do believe that even if they are in jail, they're paying their price to society. But that should not take away their inherent American right to participate in our democracy. You know, Bernie, that's a really interesting argument. Um, I wish Kerry were here because she voted for the burn last time around. And he's such a loony bin that um, I really want to mock her for it right now. I'll mock... I'll call her later. And I'll mock her privately, or maybe we'll, you'll get to see it tomorrow. Um, look, Bernie, uh, so if you're going to have a... So first of all, there's lots of rights you lose by going to jail. Um, you lose your right to free association. You lose your right to privacy. Uh, you lose your right to take a fucking walk. Um, like, you might even lose parts of your right to free speech. I'm not sure, but it's. I think you probably do. You lose a crap ton of rights. Um so the idea that Bernie's really concerned about this one right, he's really concerned about your right to vote. Everything else he's okay with. It's your right to vote that he's really, you know, he knows it really hurts when you can't vote. 
you know, someone has to watch you take a crap and you're not allowed to say what you want and you're stuck in a cell all day, that's all fine. But man, it really hurts your feelings when you have to vote and you feel violated. You have no right to vote and you feel violated. So he's going to take care of you for that. I mean, it's clear that Bernie doesn't give a crap about <laughs> your rights. He cares about your vote. He wants votes because he thinks that criminals will vote for him. And I got to say, you know, anyone, any politician, this is just a, here's a PSA. If your favorite politician is making an argument that currently incarcerated violent criminals need to be able to vote, you might want to reconsider support for that politician. You might want to consider the bedfellows you're making. Right, he thinks that violent terrorists, I guess that's a uh, redundant, he thinks that terrorists in jail would make good constituents for Bernie Sanders. You might wanna, might wanna ask some questions about that or think about that. But look, you know, if you're going to live in a society where you put people in jail at all, if you're gonna have a, a, a society with laws and you're going to put people in jail for sexual assault or murder or things like that, um, then what you're doing is you're agreeing we're going to take away their rights for some period of time. Um, that's a decision that you make as a society. If you're going to take some of those rights away, I kind of really think the right to vote probably should be the first one. Um, you don't want Ted Bundy helping to elect the next president um, or even, you know, the, the local tax adjuster. You don't want these people voting. You don't even want them walking around on the street. That's why they're in jail. So uh, it's just such a weird argument. And the fact that, you know, Bernie is like now making that, I mean, I don't, does he feel desperate? I don't know. He must feel very desperate. Um, but uh, it's hard to be an old white guy in the 1% who runs around the country railing against the 1% all day. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess he thinks the felons currently incarcerated criminals would be uh, would be great constituents for him and they're likely to vote for Bernie Sanders. Um, I do think it's an interesting question after they come out. You could argue that they've paid their debt to society and if they haven't paid their debt to society, then they should still be in jail. That's a separate issue you could make an argument about. But uh, And I'm not really sure what I think about that, but while in jail, it seems pretty clear. But even Kamala, Kamala Harris, which is like, Another idiot from California. Even Kamala Harris is like, we should think about that. Uh, yeah, sure. Sure, Kamala. Um, you just have to go do some research to figure out if uh, the axe murderers are more likely to vote for you and Bernie, and then you'll formulate your position and come out and be. Uh, you'll have a lot of righteous indignation about the other side. Um, speaking of Kamala Harris, she also now has said uh, she's... Oh, gosh, these people... She says, if Congress doesn't, so obviously she's imagining a world in which she's president, which hopefully I'll never have to witness. Um, she says, if Congress doesn't pass gun safety legislation in the first 100 days of my presidency, I will take executive action to keep our communities safe. That's not how the Constitution works, Kamala. Aren't you a lawyer? I wasn't, she was the Attorney General of California. Um, it's weird, right? So uh, <clears throat> many of us, opposed when we're opposed to it when when George Bush used executive authority to step beyond the powers uh, of the presidency as, as delineated by the Constitution. We opposed Barack Obama. He, he I don't know if people on the left realize this, his abuse of the executive branch was unprecedented. 
Um, he just signed a bunch of things, and there's quotes about him just using his pen because Congress doesn't agree, right? Horrible thing to do. I'm opposed when Trump does it. Um, but oddly enough, the 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 left, I'm not even going to call them liberals. I mean, I, I, I got to stop. I was about to say liberals. I can't use that word. The, the crazy left, the authoritarian left, like Kamala Harris, they don't complain when, like, Obama does it, but they complain a lot when Trump does it, right? They complain when Trump oversteps his authority, but... Uh, but once she's in office, well, then it's fine. And the we're devolving into a society here where uh, I guess I guess we're going to get to see what pure democracy looks like when you vote for a king or queen, right? Um, this is this is what this is what the left now thinks of democracy as. They think of it as I'm the supreme, I'm the supreme, I'll be the supreme ruler. Once you vote for me, I'll be the supreme ruler. Unless the other people win, in which case we need checks and balances. Um, so what a what a crock of shit. What a hypocritical nightmare this is. Um, anyway, so yeah, uh, Kamala Harris. Another loony bin who just um, is a little bit more poised than Elizabeth Warren, but still a loon, um, talking about how she's going to wield her her executive power like the little tyrant that she secretly is, or maybe not so secretly. Um, so yeah, vote for her. She'll just she'll just do whatever she wants as president. Um, and oh, the last the last Democratic candidate I want to mention quickly, just because she's also crazy. I love how crazy she is. Is Elizabeth Warren? She is. Um, she is now proposing. So she's got a lot of she's got a long list of goodies, obviously that she wants. To, um, she's talking about. She's out on the road talking about. Uh, Reducing student loan debt for 95% of students, but and then also making universal college because you know um, we all want to pay for someone's gender studies degree so they can uh, get really good at making lattes later in life. Um, so she she wants to pay for college. She's got a lot of she got a grab bag of goodies. Uh, probably universal health care. I, I don't pay attention to her. She just wants to take take money from the wealthy, distribute it, and then cross her fingers and hope that more wealthy come along. Um, but the worst thing about what she's doing, the most disturbing thing to me, is actually she's now like she's now proposing universal childcare for children ages zero to five. Now, I don't know where to begin on this, uh, other than to remind you all that you are on a tax farm, and the government just wants you to go out and work. That's all they want. So. Stop staying home with the kids. Uh, stop having any leisure time. Go work. Go work and pay for Social Security. Um, and you want to have kids? Well, you both both parents should work. You should both be working. You know what? Why don't you give your kid to um, someone who makes slightly more than minimum wage? They'll have a room of 20 kids, who none of whom will get the attention required, and they'll instill their values into your child. You know, it's not like the government's actually, I mean, maybe they'll be the government values, but probably not. They'll be just whatever values. They'll just be, you know, minimum wage values. There have been studies after study after study that um, that really underscores the importance of raising your children, like spending time with your children early in life. So most of personality, or not of most, a large percentage of personality is actually genetic, which we don't talk about because we're not allowed to talk about genetics. We'll get into trouble uh, talking about genetics some other day. But personality, there's a large chunk that's genetic. But the part that's not genetic, of that part, 
most of it, most of that personality and um, and that psychology is laid down early in life. We're talking below six years, zero to six or so. Um, you know, my daughter is is nine now. I've talked about this before. Like, my job's basically done. I mean, yeah, I've still got parenting to do, but I've made my mistakes. Her personality is basically set at this point, and there's not a lot that anyone can do about it. Um, and uh, and that's the way kids work. And and we also know that not spending, you know, you can lower IQ by. So for example, uh, you can lower IQ, I think, by one and a half points by not breastfeeding. So obviously, if you're dropping your kid of zero off at a daycare center, you're not breastfeeding. Um, you're not, and it's not just the, the milk. It's the it's the it's the bond. The bonding with parents is extremely important. You want to raise a society full of dysfunctional people? Start dropping off your newborns at daycare. I mean, what a fucking nightmare. But she doesn't care about this, or she does in in a sinister sort of way. She's not wanting you to to raise kids to instill your values in kids. She just wants you on the tax farm and she wants the kids kind of uh, maladjusted enough or pliable enough. She just kind of wants mindless drones that she can, you know, that'll grow up to just be obedient to uh, authoritarians and she can tell them to go work uh, when, or her daughter or granddaughter when she's uh, supreme leader, president, can can uh, can force you know easily get your your kids to work. Look, if you want to have kids, I know you imagine this world, and you should. Like I'm I'm all about having children. Um, you you imagine your kid in a certain way, but often what you imagine is that they share some of your values, right? They're they you like them in some way in your in your imagination. And I'm telling you right now, if you can't spend time with them when they're young, don't have kids because that's not the way it's going to go. That is a fantasy. You can't just squeeze a kid out, throw it into daycare, and come back when they're 18 and have a kid that you actually like and that actually likes you and that you are proud of. It doesn't work that way. I mean, I'm talking in generalities. Obviously, they're uh, individuals. Individual cases can be different, but that's not how that's not how it works. If you want a kid, you need to put the time in to have the kid. And if you can't do that, don't. Just don't have a kid. Or downgrade. Get a smaller house. Have a comfortable life. And, you know, someone stay home with a kid, either parent, when they're young. Especially when they're young. So um, that bothers me the most because it's this movement, this, this universal child care. Because it's this movement for the government to just kind of take over your the entire life. It's, it's the... It's the optimal kind of indoctrination platform. So, you know, you squeeze a kid out, you send them to daycare, their brain gets turned into mush. Um, they get indoctrinated by the, when they start learning, they only learn how to be indoctrinated. And, uh, you know, they go off to college and, and you know, they're happy little Marxists. Uh, so, or probably sad little Marxists, actually. So that's the most bothersome thing to me. So these Democrats, look, I, I know they all think they have a chance. Uh, they, I don't think they, I don't think they do. They all think Trump is weak, uh, as I mentioned. But um, it's going to be a shit show to watch these people debate about felons uh, voting and um, you know, hey, we'll raise your kids for you. Uh, just just the world I want. That's exactly the world I want, where everyone's children are raised by you know some 
some government-funded thing, like the DMV. It's like the DMV, but for kids. Woohoo! Um, all right, on that note, I've gone too long. On that note, uh, we'll cut this off. We'll see Carrie tomorrow, so she'll be back tomorrow. Thanks, everyone, for watching. Please follow us on Twitter at unsafespace. You can go to unsafespace.com. And, of course, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Unsafe Space. We come out with this show, which is temporarily named The Daily Kofif until we come up with something better, or Kofefi. I can't pronounce it. Carrie's the pronouncer of this word. Um, but anyway, we do that, and we do Deprogrammed, which is a live show every Thursday, plus a bunch of other content. So um, check it out. Subscribe. Thanks, and we'll see you tomorrow.